This is Ron Jarzombek from Watchtower, and you're listening to my chapter. What is it from? As the story grows, what is it again? <laughs> this is Ron Jarzombek from Watchtower, and you're listening to my chapter from As the Story Grows. There you go. Perfect. Awesome. You you can you can play all those insane guitar solos that have like revolutionized what tech metal sounds like, but you can't remember one line. Come on, man, you can do it. I believed in you, and you did it. You oh, know, the man, the memory goes, dude. What would you say? You do here. Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. Are you te- you're, are you still Texas? Yeah, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Where y'all at? I am Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm like an hour north of Philly. So you know I was from Texas because I said y'all. Honestly, I, I I say y'all, and no one can figure out why. I, I don't know. Y'all is uh, exclusively where you're from, but it's like peppered around the country. People utilize it here and there. I say y'all a lot. I don't know why. I have no right to. I don't have any geographical right to say y'all. Well, I say y'all all the time, and it works. I noticed uh, I listened to another interview that you did and you said uh, something, something, something shit. And you said, oh, can we cuss? And I was like, yeah, he's a Southern boy. No (laughs) one says Fifty-one. 
51 years old. Get out of here. Really? Yep. I'm an old fart. Your picture, your, the picture looks good. You don't look a day over 41. You said it was 10 years ago, right? Yeah, it's probably like 10 or 15. <laughs> I need to change it. Looks good to me. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, welcome back to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. My name is Trav, and uh, tonight, almost tomorrow, it's so late, I am. Uh, I had uh, I had the fortune to get a hold of Ron Jarzombek from the band Watchtower. Ron, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate this. And you even said the last name right. Awesome. So we're off to a great start. Great. Start. We're doing good. You you memorized yeah. my line. I I can pronounce Jarzombek. Give me give me your favorite version of someone botching your last name. Um, I had a uh, one of those tele callers, whatever there, and then uh, she saw my name on the thing, right? And uh, she butchered it up. She's like Zim Bosker or something like that, right? And then, <laughs> and then I said, okay, say it one syllable at a time. So I said, what is the first first syllable? She said, jar. And then I said, the second, she said, zom. And I said, the third, and she said, beck. And I said, now put it all together. And she goes, Zim Bosker-ish. Wow. I mean, George Zombeck, it's exactly how it's spelled, you know? Yeah, it's, it's spelled phonetically. Like, if you, if, yeah, I mean, it's not that. Whatever. Hey, so, yeah. Tell, tell a marketer she's selling credit cards or, or free ski trips or something, you know? Yeah, I didn't want any, so I didn't care. I don't yeah. Keep your, keep your volume nice and, nice and level because, because I'm still getting, I'm still getting some fuzz on that Logitech. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a. Something. I got ex- I got excited about my my telemarketer. Story. You just got you got so excited that someone pronounced your name right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool, man. I I'm uh I'm stoked to have you on because uh I think I tripped into uh, control and resistance somewhere around 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through this awakening of progressive music. We can blame uh, Dream Theater and Cynic and all that stuff and uh, Believer and all those types of bands. And uh, as you start uh, running with those circles, they say, hey, you ever hear this band? You ever hear that band? And I had a guy introduce me to um, Watchtower, Control and Resistance, the same day that he introduced me to Hellstar's Nosferatu. You ever hear that album? <laughs> Yeah, we used to gig with those guys, but back then I was in a band called uh, S.A. Slayer. Oh, and, right. Yeah, and then Billy was in Watchtower, but we used to always gig. We'd play in San Antonio and uh, Austin and in Houston. That's where Hellstar was from. But yeah, so we all were kind of doing the, uh, you know, playing in each other's cities and stuff. And it was oh, no pretty kidding. I, I, yeah, I it was know a great time. Was yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was a, yeah, great time. Why don't you take us back to like being a little kid in Texas and how did this all start? Well, of course it was me and my older brother, Bobby, and we were always playing in little bands together, playing bars and game rooms and stuff like that. But we did a lot of covers. We did uh, priest UFO, some Sabbath scorpions. And back then my favorite guitar players were Michael Schenker and Yuli Roth, Glenn Tipton. Right. Uh, and then later came rush and then that's where everything kind of, you know, went into a, a freaking tailspin and then all the proggy stuff started happening. And Right. Yeah, and then, Rush, uh, Rush did it for me too. Yeah, once 2112 and then Farewell to Kings came around, that, that was like the end of all the normalcy. But uh, yeah, Rush was the band that really 
got me going in the in the proggy direction. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was twenty one twelve, and then after that, I backtracked a little bit and then discovered Fly by Night and Caress of Steel in the first album. But uh, the albums that hit me the most and my brother was uh, Hemispheres, Fellow to Kings, that type of stuff. And then Yes came along, um, and Al Dimiola. Yeah. A little bit in the jazzy territory with Larry Carlton and stuff like that, but I always kind of got back to the hard rock and or the metal side of things. And then Steve Vai came around with Flexible. And yeah, that was that's when all the experimenting kind of came around. And that was more evident in Spastic Ink than it was in Watchtower. Watchtower is more of a serious thing, but when I did my solo stuff, I had I don't know, stories about, you know, squirrels having sex and kitties and, and mice and, and just a bunch of weird solo songs. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, like when I cracked open the Spastic Ink album, I re- it solidified it. I was like, I think they're right. This Jarzombek dude's not, he's, he's sick in the head. He can just play the guitar really well. <laughs> like there's like, there's a song about squirrels. There's a song yeah. about like mathematical stuff. Everyone's holding like a, like <laughs> Like, hang on. I still have the CD. Bobby's like, you're all wearing like dental hygienist masks and, and <laughs> holding it. Yeah, that was, that was the take on a song called Mosquito Brain Surgery. That was the first song that we put together, but you know that that Spastic Ink Incomplete CD that that CD means a lot to me because that was the letting out all the frustration of when my hand was fucked up. Sure, yeah, and and when Watch Watchtower was still kind of writing at that time, but the band was in a weird kind of musical direction territory, and and uh, I was writing for both bands at the same time, and just everything that I brought to Bobby. Uh, it just worked. Everything worked so much better. And so I was leaning more towards Spastic Ink than Watchtower at that time. And we just kept going and going and going. And we completed that first, uh, the first CD in a, probably about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Wrote it, wrote it and recorded. But we recorded it. It was back in the old days. We just recorded it on a four track. Right. And, uh, and uh, but yeah, that was, that was a pretty special CD for me. Just, just because of the whole hand thing was over. So uh, you you just hyperextended the tendons in your fingers because of just constantly using your fret hand all the time, or, or yeah, the way yeah I, I teach a lot too, and the way I used to to run my tape player at the time, I put a lot of pressure on my pinky and my ring finger, and then just pressing down too much like that, and I just right. st- stretched out the tendons on my fingers, and it took me about a year and a half, I mean about two and a half years really to uh, to get back to playing. And I was trying to play with two fingers for a while, going up to Watchtower writing sessions, and it, I did the best I could, but it sucked. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, you're neutered. You only got half your fingers to fret with. Well, you know? It's like Django Reinhardt. He kicked ass with two fingers, but I was having a difficult time. It just wasn't my thing. <laughs> now, one thing that I'm not clear on, were you, uh, you seem to be kind of a guitar builder too. I, 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 I love hearing people doing stuff with their hands. I come from a blue collar family. My dad busted his ass for a living and I, I just dig people making stuff, whether it's cooking or, or, or building guitars. And I know you, I, you like every time I see you with a picture, you're holding mm-hmm. another guitar and I'm like, the dude's either loaded or he's doing this himself. <laughs> so, I mean, you're like a guitar designer. Did that come because um your hand was injured and you needed something uh, to do no. no i'm talking when i was a kid my dad was building a freaking you know like he taught me how to build bird houses and and uh you know just anything benches uh 
tables or whatever. Oh, so you're, you're like woodworker guy. Oh yeah. And oh, then uh, it's cool. Tell me about that. Well, my first guitar I built out of a door. We, uh, I was in, I guess maybe a sophomore or something like that in high school. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to start building my own guitars. You know, any guitar player is going to be real picky about where knobs are and frets and stuff like that. And so I built a lot of shit. And so I was like, shit, I should build my own guitars. And, and then, uh, yeah, I built it. It was a flying V painted like Eddie Van Halen, you know, with the stripes and stuff. Hell yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's iconic. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, from there I started doing, what was the next guitar? I think I got into a strat phase and then I got into the, the swirly paint jobs and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I build shit all the time. I just past six months, I built a, a freaking tennis court in my backyard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to have, yeah, I wanted to do that for shit 10 years or so. And so I finally did it. It's not a full size, but yeah, I got a I got a freaking tennis court in my backyard now. Are you are you a tennis player or is that for somebody else? No, that's for me. I just, you know, run around, get some exercise. Sure. Right on. Okay. Nice. I like that. See, I like this kind oh, yeah. of stuff. Nobody knows <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know, then it got to where with blotted science I needed a seven string. So then I started uh experimenting with bridges and different things like that and pickups. So I got got a pretty cool seven string right now. Um, you know, but that's kind of been a little bit of a, a drawback because building my own guitars has kind of prevented me from getting any kind of endorsements. <laughs> yeah. And it sucks because they really help out with, if you want to do clinics and stuff like that. So, you know, you can push their product and I, I lost a, uh, a Schecter endorsement. I lost a Fender endorsement. They would, they would send me guitars and I would say, well, can I move this knob down and can I like shave off this whole part on the top where my forearm goes? And they were like, no, you got to play the guitar exactly as it is. And I was like, well, I can't really play the guitar. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, okay. That's interesting. Did you like, since you were a woodworker early on, like you, you knew you built your first guitar out of a door when Mm -hmm. you were a kid. So you kind of learned how to play the guitar on your own guitars. So now you're, you're damned for the stuff hanging in guitar center. Huh? Well, the closest I've come to uh, across is maybe Ibanez or the old Charvel's guitar, you know, those kind of things. But okay. uh, For instance, like the Jeff Loomis guitar, I tried to play that and, the part where your forearm seats the the you know your right hand. Okay. I, ju- I just fucking cannot. I can't mute properly or anything like that. So mm, okay. But you know, if I had a bigger name in the in the business and stuff, maybe I could. You know, somebody would build my my own specific guitar, but I just don't have that. You know, I don't have that big of a name right now to do that, so I'm kind of fucked. <laughs> that's 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 cr- that's crazy to me that you've you've never been in like. You've never been endorsed? Like everybody kind of, wow, Watchtower, <laughs> Spastic yeah. Inc. Like, really? That's interesting. Yeah, That's well, also, whenever they see right. a picture of me, I'm, you know, I'm playing my own guitar that I built. Right. And, and, and again, that's what I said. It's, it's kind of screwed me over the fact that I do that. It's cool that I can have my own guitar that I right. built, built myself. But in the long run, it's, it's probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never thought of that before, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Screwed yourself out of a guitar endorsement because you're you're good at building your own guitars. How about mm-hmm. that? Yep. That'll teach you, kids. Don't be, don't be, don't be too good at something, right? So you went through multiple, multiple, four, if I'm not mistaken, surgeries for your hand, right? Yeah, left hand, my pinky, and ring finger on my left hand. Damn. Yeah, almost three years sucked. I couldn't even play a freaking C chord. Wow. Yeah, but but yeah, again, during that time, I was still going to Austin and trying to write with Watchtower, but it just it sucked. And yeah, we we even wanted to do one of those um, South by Southwest gigs, and and Doug was like, "God, we should play this thing." And I'm like, "Dude, I I've got two fucking fingers, you know, I can't I can't play." And and uh, we we ended up not doing that, but you know, we were trying to get something going, but my fingers just weren't happening. Yeah, and then it, and what's kind of kind of ironic about it was that when they were starting 
to, to work and get better and everything after that fourth surgery. Then I went up to Watchtower and then that wasn't working again. So that's where Spastic Inc. happened. Watchtower wasn't working because like you just deflated at that point, right? Well, uh, Alan had moved back to New York because of my, all of my hand issues. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it took a long time for us to get back on track. And, and then when I was starting to play, it's just the, the musical direction that we had. It just sucked. Mm, okay. it, was, it, was, it was this watered down kind of crap. We even went through this one phase where we were trying to write songs in one day. We had this one song called One Day Song. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it, it was just so lame, you know, and, uh, it, it got cut eventually, thank God. And then we had the one, the one hour song. We had a one hour song. That's what we called it because we wrote it in one rehearsal. And, you know, any, any progressive band that writes, you got to put some thought into it. You know, you can't just shit it out in one rehearsal, but that's, that's the direction that we were going at that time. And I just, I just wasn't digging it. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I was still kind of playing along, you know? Right. But uh, Doug and Rick, that's kind of what they wanted to do at that time. But it, it just wasn't happening. And so I was just going more and more into spastic ink at that time. I could tell you the breakdown of how everything happened with Watchtower if you want to get into that. Dude, do it. Go ahead, man. It's your show. <laughs> Actually, I wrote this shit down. Oh, look at you. But uh, let me see. Um, more prepared than I am. <laughs> okay, yeah. If you notice between all of the Watchtower festivals that we did, which happened in 2000, we played Bang Your Head. 2004, we played uh, Headway. And in 2010, we played Kit. In between all of those festivals, other CDs happened. The, the first two Spastic Inc. CDs happened mm -hmm. uh, before. Actually, that was after that, after the year 2000 or somewhere around that time. The both Spastic Inc. CDs happened. And then I did my solo CD, Solitarily Speaking. Mm -hmm. and, and then Watchtower played Headway 2004. And then Blotted Science started. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. I would go back to Watchtower and it just, we'd make a little bit more progress on this mathematics album. And then, you know, it would fall apart for whatever reason. And then I would go back and do something else. And the blotted science happened uh, after that. And then we played the, an, another festival. And then the second blotted science CD or EP happened. And then, uh, and then we're kind of, and then I did the app. And then we're kind of where we are right now. So yeah, whenever Watchtower did those did the festivals, we made a little bit more progress on the Mathematics album until in the year 2010 was when we completed writing the album. Wow. Damn, I explained that good. Did you hear that? I did. That was I got, awesome. That was I got, awesome. I got it all. You nailed it. So so it it is not a stretch to say that Control Resistance came out in 89 and basically uh -huh. like the band does what the band does, you know, go out, play, tour, blah, blah, blah. You guys have been working on trying to get this damn thing out since right after like 1990. Yeah, it's been 25 years in the making. So this EP that came out and has five songs. We, we, <laughs> we completed one song every five years. <laughs> Is that ridiculous? You are, you are. With all due respect, you're the most, you're the most inefficient musician I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. But now, in be, but now, in between that, those those five magical songs that we happen to put together, you crank out untouchable albums. <laughs> yeah, I completed, wrote, and produced everything myself. Like maybe five other CDs. Okay. All right. Yeah, but watch. So I'll take the inefficient thing back, but I guess Watchtower is yeah. you got a little bit of molasses mixed into the recipe. It just takes a while, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, we we're not really a band at this point. We would get together occasionally, and everybody's doing different things, you know. Sure. And uh, but again, when when Watchtower wasn't happening, when it just the writing wasn't happening, or no recordings were happening. I would say, okay, cool. I'm going to go do something else. And that's, that's what I've been doing. Right. And, uh, now I'm working on another solo CD and I have no idea what's going to happen with the rest of these watchtower songs that are supposed to be on this mathematics album that we've been meticulously working on for 25 years. 
<laughs> well, that <laughs> yeah, that lands you around seventy six when the next EP gets to, when the when the book two gets finished for this uh, concepts of math EP. So yeah, uh, you want to you want to set a date now? We can get our calendars out twenty five. Let's say twenty five, and this isn't even half what we put out. What we just released isn't even half. So we're talking fifty years from oh, from ninety, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> let's see. Actually, I'll be ninety. Actually, check it out. One of the titles of the song on the next solo CD that I'm doing it has to do with will we finish the next? The, will we complete mathematics before one of us dies? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah. you, if, if it's going to take 50 more years i'll be 91 and you'll be 101 but uh yeah. you know i'll call you if i get you know if i get it maybe by that maybe. time we'll figure out this microphone issue <laughs> maybe maybe by then we'll be able to probably just you know think the podcast right incredible that that it's it's taken as long as it has but i get it because it isn't like you guys are just sitting around doing nothing but speaking speaking of keeping it more personal and organic um what is it that you do like nine to five how how do you pay the bills yeah i teach five days a week doug is a uh, a volleyball instructor uh really alan, yeah alan i think sells houses or he's something into some kind of real estate or something and okay I don't even know what Rick does. He used to work for uh, some printing company or something, but I don't even know what he does now. Okay. All right. We, Interesting. We, we have very little contact. Yeah, we just don't. Doug and Rick live in Austin. I live in San Antonio, and Alan lives in New York. Uh-huh. And we just don't really communicate that much. And that's that's partly why the recordings have taken so long. We just We just don't communicate gets done when it gets done man it's just it's yeah that's that there's no deadline so mm-hmm. everybody just kind of gets around to things when you know when they when they feel like it or something well i think this stuff is a little bit more organized just because of how it's it's a later time when we recorded control we didn't even play along to a click track oh and my god really I, yeah dude that that was sold you know freaking 89 
but yeah, this is, I think, uh, you know, I, I did all the production on everything and I'm just one of those guys that just everything has to be, you know, in its place. Right. And, uh, I don't just with blotted science, it's even worse than better or whatever word you want to say. It's, it's even more accurate than this. I can't even, I can't, even, the blotted science stuff blows my mind. I, I, wow I, I i have no idea how to even comment on blotted science it's it's like uh it's like watchtower more complicated with no vocals if you're if you're into watchtower you have to listen to blotted science because it's like it's a crazy ride and the uh the videos are uh are epic i can't believe the uh the budget that you guys put into that getting uh peter jackson footage from king kong <laughs> yeah that was that was a pretty wacky kind of thing that we did. And, uh, yeah, the whole EP is timed out to bug movies. And we had maybe, I don't know, nine, ten bug movies that we were going to score. And it was just so tedious work syncing up all the music to those videos. That it's, unbe it's unbelievable. Again, not to kiss your ass, but, I mean, like, when, when it was, like, when when the video for whatever the name of the song is, help me out, I, I can't remember your song titles, but the one that's... Uh, from from King Kong is uh, Cretaceous Chasm. That sounds right. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, it's it's if if you've seen the scene from from Peter Jackson's King Kong when they fall down into that ridge and then there's yeah. all those giant like prehistoric insects and everything, the music is like tech metal scored and lined up. It's not edited so that the film like fits to the music. It's scored to that part as he's taking the machete and chopping the worm in half. There's like a yeah. <clears throat> on the guitar. It's unbelievable. I, I, at first I thought, let's give some credit to the film editor too, the guy who moved this, move all this film around. And then as I was watching it, I was like, no man, this, the film's not skipping at all. Like they wrote the music to this and I went deeper down the hole and started reading about it. And I was like, holy shit, they're writing, they're writing tech metal to action scenes. That's impossible. You can't do that. Yeah, and it was very difficult because a lot of the tempos have to change. You know, four yeah. measures four measures would be one nineteen beats per minute, then it would shift to one twenty two just to make certain hits and stuff line up with where <laughs> musical accents were. But yeah, it was twenty four minutes of that and I was like, dude, I'm I'm fucking burnt on this shit. It's awesome, <laughs> it's great and I mean and uh and and I was just I can't do a full album of this shit, you know? And uh, so, yeah, after the 24, after we did those four, I was like, I'm done, dude, that's it. Let's just do an EP. And, and so that's how we released it. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, I was man when that came out. Jeez, that was an accomplishment. I mean, holy shit.
for what it is too. I think an EP is the perfect size for it. Who, who needs who needs forty eight minutes of that? Well, the thing I like about it is you can listen to the songs without the movie, and it still sounds like you know somewhat arranged normal songs. Sure. But then, but then when you see it with the video, it's it, the whole thing just kind of comes together. Yeah, pretty neat. Pretty neat. So why bug movies? What's your deal with uh, entomology and all that? Well, when uh, when we did the first uh, the first album, that was about brain disorders and and head trauma stuff like that. And I was just talking with Alex a lot about stuff. And I was like, why don't why does a cannibal corpse ever do anything about some freaking bugs? You know, they they've got the zombies, they've got just all sorts of gory shit. And right. they, they never do anything with bugs. And I was like, okay, fuck it. Cannibal Corpse isn't going to do anything with bugs. And let's let's do it with blotted science. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then, then the whole scoring thing came around. And then we were searching for what, what movies had cool bug scenes in it. And then immediately the, the King Kong one uh, popped up. And then I found Slither, which was with those worms. And, uh, I mean, I, I would be go, I would go into video stores and look up bees and wasps and, and, you know, tarantulas and spiders and shit, and just tried to find any scene that had bugs. That was about, I don't know, from three to seven minutes or so. And we were going to do the fly, you know, with Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah, totally. I, I had timed that whole thing out, but we didn't get to it. Alex found a cool, uh, video online about these bees. There was 30 hornets that went into this uh some bumblebee nest and killed like thousands and thousands of of uh of bees but we didn't get to that one either there was one from honey i shrunk the kids oh okay sure yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, the gigantic ant and then the scorpion and, and uh yeah i wanted to get to that one but yeah i was just so burnt after those four i was like oh fuck it <laughs> I can't wrap my head around how difficult that must be. To, yeah, it was a to, bitch. It was a total bitch. Yeah. Why do you do this to yourself, man? Why not just write, why not just write three chord radio hits and join a band and make money, right? I, I know. I, it's, it's the same thing that I do with all this 12-tone bullshit. That's just how I, that's how I operate. Right. It, it, bugs, it bugs me when I hear a song and, and I can hear the chord progression in my head. Like, there's so many power metal bands that come out now. Uh-huh. And, and they're doing really well and i just i can't understand why they're still a band i just don't understand it <laughs> it's like they're, they're using the same fucking chord progressions and everything mm-hmm. and the, the, the same sounds that other bands have been using for so long yeah. and i'm just thinking why are y'all still doing this shit and you're right it's because well they're making pretty good money right and uh and uh yeah, yeah I, just, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't argue with you. I like a lot of it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bash the stuff. But at the same time, I do feel like, I mean, in my life, I've listened to, I mean, dude, I got to be pushing 150 different versions of Black Sabbath. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's been, it's been done. It's been well documented. They did it right. They did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Move along and and uh, try something different. I just feel like I'm listening to Symptom of the Universe again with another singer. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's a killer tune. It, it totally <laughs> killer tune. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Great tune. Ha- have you ever been approached as, um, have you ever been approached to audition for any, for anybody? Has, has anything like that ever come up where it's kind of like, oh, wow, this could be like a st- steady gig, uh, get to play guitar, a touring band. Has, has anything like that ever come up? Yeah. So let me see. Um, Fate's Warning. Yeah, I could have done the Fates Warning thing, but that was just a touring gig. And um, yeah, I'm just more into recording and writing and contributing that way than going on the road. Um, when I was, I did do some touring with Marty Friedman in 07 and 08. Yes, you did. That was kind of cool. And I was hoping that would, you know, eventually evolve into something else, but it never did. It was just pretty much like a, a work for hire kind of a thing. But if if Marty and I could have did a you know some kind of thing like him and Jason Becker, that would have been awesome. But that it never went into that at all. I got along great. We got along great. Uh, had a lot of good times and stuff. But the, it was just like a a guitarist for hire kind of a gig. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, I did that. And then like a dumb shit, um, we were playing with Alex Skolnick at the time. He was doing his thing called. 
uh, was I guess the Alex Golmick trio, and he okay. told me that and he told me that Trans Siberian Orchestra had an op- opening, and like a dumb shit, I just didn't turn anything in or look into it just because I didn't think I could get the gig. Okay, how about that for dumb shit? Would you would you have wanted to do that? If it was now, oh fuck yeah, I would do that. I mean, but, uh, but back only- then, I just I just didn't think I had a big enough name to to even to try to do that kind of a thing. But yeah, he was he was bowing out at the time, and I forgot who eventually got the gig. But yeah, I didn't even try out or anything. Really? Okay. Yeah, I just I just didn't think I could get the gig, and I just uh, didn't uh, didn't pursue it at all. Huh. And then uh, I think I Bobby had a was playing with Ice Earth, and I think they had an opening. I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And uh, but one one thing that kind of keeps me from doing stuff like that is I teach five days a week, and I've been doing that. And that's my main income. Okay. And and for instance, when I took off to do the Marty Freeman the tours, and uh, even even the Watchtower stuff back in '90, when you're gone for that long, two months or whatever it is, and you come back you lose a lot of money because a lot of your students take off regardless of how popular you think you are, you know, as a guitar player, they, they move on. Sure. And so I would lost when, when I got back from the Marty Friedman thing, I lost over a third of my students. Really? Yeah. Actually, that's why Frank Oresti who plays guitar or played guitar for Fate's Warning. That's why he's not touring with him anymore is because he probably has a similar situation to where when he leaves for a certain amount of time, he can't, he, you know, you have to kind of restart again. Wow. I would, I would think that the kids would be interested in, well, it's ignorant for me to say kids. I don't know. You might have adults who are older than you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I would think that um, if I was taking guitar lessons from the guy in Watchtower and now I can't take lessons from him for a month or two because he's on tour with Fate's Warning, I would think that you'd want to hang on to that so that when you come back, well, now I'm being taught by the guy who's in Watchtower and Fates War. You know what I mean? Like, like that. No, when, when you teach for, for a living, you don't, I know maybe I'd say 10% of the people that I teach know that I'm this, you know, Watchtower blotted science guitar player guy. All of the other people that come in, I'm just a guitar teacher there. Gotcha. And, you know, they, they don't care if, if you, if, if you're not there to teach their kid or they'll, they'll get somebody else to do it, especially if you're gone for two months or whatever it might be. And, and if you keep maintaining this thing where you take off and then come back and take off and come back, they, they want a steady, you know, they want a steady instructor there for you. Gotcha. That's interesting. Okay. And you've yeah. been teaching, you've been teaching for how long? Oh shit. I don't know. Since I was 18 or 19, that's been my main source of income for, for, decades wow that's been your thing like like you you never did the whole like i don't have enough lessons so i was a carpenter woodworker guy or uh you no, not really really well no. wow good on you man that's 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 a lot of hustle that's a lot of scales dude <laughs> wow. yeah i mean it's, it's not it's not really want to do what i want to do but i it's pretty steady and there's a lot of you know chris broderick was doing that randy rhodes i mean you can go through a whole string of of guitar players uh now everybody's doing skype but i'm not even doing skype and i'm i'm busy enough as it is just just teaching in town right yeah i go to three different places right now that i teach at and uh yeah if you're gone for too long you you lose part of your gig i guess that makes sense yeah okay Mm -hmm. all right well yeah you got you got you got it you got it kind of set up i drive around to three different places i do lessons i make money that way and then uh-huh. when, when i'm not family guy or whatever you, you you married kids dogs what do you got going on uh four ferrets Ferrets. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah and check this out dude uh, i got a i got a, a baby boy on the way okay yeah how about that we, uh, weird that you noted the ferrets first <laughs> Well, because they're here already. The baby boy's not okay, here. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, the wifey, like six months ago, she was like, "Hey, I want to have a kid." I'm like, uh, "Aren't aren't the ferrets? The ferrets are pretty cool. Let's let's just go with the ferrets." And I gradually was like, "Yeah, it might not be a bad idea." So, how long have you been married? Oh shit, I don't know, fifteen something like that, fifteen years, something 15 like that. Years, and she hit you up at fifty years old. Time to have a baby. Yeah, I know. Yeah, how, fifty years I, old with a kid. How'd that, so, how'd that go over? Were you like, yeah, heck yeah, let's do this, or were you like, are you freaking kidding me? How, where were you ten years ago? 
Well, that's what I said. Why didn't you bring this up 10 years ago? And I guess the ferrets were doing it for her back then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought we were happy with four ferrets. Well, back then we we had two, but uh, that you know they only lived seven or eight years. And then uh, yeah, we got four now, and she loves her ferrets and dresses them up for Halloween and shit. And oh, for crying out loud! Yeah, Fonzie was a race car driver. Wolfie was a bat vampire kind of a thing, and. Uh, uh, Abby was a, a model and then Lonnie was a pirate. <laughs> Lonnie? Yeah, Lilani. It's a Hawaiian name. Nice. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on the on the baby boy coming. When when's he yeah. due? Uh April. April. A spring mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. Good. She's gonna dodge that pregnant that summer pregnancy. Oof, that is brutal, man. Yeah, she's done with all the barfing and all that kind of stuff. She's she's good now. Good, good for her. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys thinking about a second one yet, or you you still worried about? You still gotta get this. Dude, I yeah, I got to see how this first one goes. I feel you. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But dude, wow. it's cool because I I I knocked her up like within four months. <laughs> I that badass for for a fifty one year old. I know Neil Peart did it too, and he's like sixty. But yeah, right on. Yeah, Rod Stewart. Dude, Rod Stewart, he's a machine. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was I got duped into that too. My wife was like, you know, coming off the pill and everything. Let's try to get pregnant. <laughs> Sweet. This is supposed to take like a year of constant work, quote unquote, right? Like like three and a half weeks later, she's like, Guess what? I was like, Come on, Jeez. man, already? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Well, good yeah. for you, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see how, see how it goes. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You never have enough money, so just screw it. Go for it and have one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that we. I'm glad we talked about the audition stuff. I was. I was curious about that, but but I get it now. You're you're like you're like a teacher, a guitar teacher. I'm too, I'm too busy. I have too many students. I'm making money off students. That's well, I mean, if if a really good opportunity popped up that I really you know liked, and I I wouldn't have to go back to teaching, I would probably take it up. You know, okay. but, but that just, that's not how it works anymore. I mean, for instance, my brother does that a lot, but he's never out on the road, you know, consistently he's doing Sebastian Bach and then he's doing a little bit of Fate's Warning and, and not one of those bands is, it's a very consistent thing. It just doesn't work that way. So he sure. stays, so he stays bu- busy with both bands. I don't know which one for him is a priority, but before that he was doing Halford and that, but that, when he was doing that, he was very busy. Sure. And that was more than six months a year. But uh, the way things are now in the, the music industry, it doesn't really work that way. Right. So Fate's Warning is more of a band. You've got you've got the entire band thing going. But I mean, when you're with or maybe or maybe even Iced Earth or something like that. But but mm-hmm. when you have Sebastian Bach or Halford, you're on tour when they want to. And then when they go, nah, I'm done now. OK, now you go home and uh now what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bobby, Bobby does sessions too. And then he plays in town a little bit. But, okay. uh, but yeah, when the, when the Sebastian Bach thing comes around, that's what he's doing at that time. And then fate's warning. And again, I don't, I don't know which one is his priority. Sure. Uh, probably Sebastian, but, uh, you know, there's six, six months go by and he doesn't do anything with one of those bands. That's just, that's just how it works. Right. But you know, I, I have to go and teach in five days a week. So sure, sure, sure. And and now when the opportunity comes up now, now there's the whole kid to be factored into it too. That's a new that's a new part of the equation. Dude, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got the plan, right? Didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, trust me. Yeah. Trust me. That whole like uh <laughs> that uh you'll you'll be getting those texts or those phone calls like when the hell are you coming home? <laughs> this kid's puking all over everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well I've I've already thought about all the pooping everywhere, but the ferrets do that, so Oh my god, I can't imagine. Yeah. So um I wanna I wanna talk about a couple specific things and then I can let you go because you've been fair you've been you've been more than kind enough with your time and we're having a little bit of static here and everything, so I don't wanna I'll get I, I don't want to torture you. But um I wanna talk about you um performing on the one song on the Gordian Knot album because Gordian Knot was I, I absolutely love Gordian Knot was totally bummed out after uh after uh, Malone's stopped after a second record i was kind of hoping that was going to be like a constant thing because i love that stuff Uh uh, tell me about that recording experience um we didn't get along that good really yeah we just 
he's more into the the whole jazz frame of mind and i'm more into the rock metal frame of mind okay and we just we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff we had i don't think we ever talked on the phone but we uh we did a lot of emailing but yeah and so he was supposed to play on three spastic ink songs on incompatible and i just didn't dig what he was what he's doing he was doing a lot of noodling kind of shit mm. and metal just rock metal just doesn't work that way you're supposed to play what what song what parts complement the songs you don't just go off noodling and shit mm -hmm. and uh he he wasn't playing the parts that that did anything for the song okay and, and i wasn't happy with his sound or anything but i i liked playing the solos on on the gordian knot but uh yeah when when the trade came back around it just wasn't happening and then actually, yeah, then actually I was supposed to play on the next one. I think it was called Emergent or something. Emergent. I'm hold, yeah, I'm holding Emergent in my hand and I just looked through the notes because you mentioned playing on the second album. I didn't think you were on it and you're not. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure, but I think all of the parts that I was supposed to play on that second uh, or the third Gordian Knot CD, I think Jim Mateus played those. Second, Emergent. I, 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 to the best yeah. of my knowledge, there's only two. And then, uh, yeah, after that, we just had no communication at all. And that, that was the end of that. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, R Rivers Dancing, that was, uh, that's probably one of my favorite solos. And I think another thing I, I kind of got inspired to do that because that's right when I started working with an ADAT. Before that, as in with Spastic Inc., I had a four-track machine, and that's where, you know, more technology came into play and everything. And I was having a pretty good time getting that stuff done. And then a lot of the uh, the second Spastic Inc. CD came around. That's when we started doing a lot of internet stuff with a lot of other people. That's what that's what that was about. I think Sean and I were both kind of digging that. We could work with people that weren't in our same city, you know. Yeah. And, and now that's that's standard anymore. Bands, oh yeah, touring yeah. bands live nowhere near each other anymore. I'm I'm fascinated by that. One of my favorite stories about all of doing all of the uh, long distance recording is that the first Blotted Science CD, we recorded that, and we had never had a rehearsal and shit. We had never been in the same room together, the three of us. Yeah, <laughs> we we did a rehearsal. Well, we went, me and Charlie went to Alex's place in Tampa and we had a rehearsal, but that was, that was eight months after the CD had came, came out <laughs> and it was just kind of, kind of weird. And then we finally met up at NAMM about a, a year later, took a couple of pictures and it was so weird. Yeah. We made a fucking killer album. We're, we're finally meeting now. <laughs> it, it was just weird. Photos to come later. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. How about um uh Jeff uh Eber Aber um play yeah. on a Spastic Ink album. How how did you hook up with the uh with the Dysrhythmia guys? I happen to be a huge Dysrhythmia fan. Those guys are fucking amazing. And uh, yeah, they are. And beyond what is it? Beyond the octopus? Uh, behold, behold the art. Holy moly! Yeah, they both of those bands came to Austin. Uh, they were on tour, mm-hmm. and this this was right around the time that I was doing Incompatible, uh-huh. and Bobby had just joined Halford, and Bobby got to record maybe four songs that were on there, and I, I couldn't find a fucking drummer to re- to to record the rest of the songs, and uh, yeah, I saw, and then you saw Jeff, and you were like, ding! <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, like holy awesome. shit. And and you know when I knew he could he could handle the gig, it wasn't when he played some freaking measure of 716 or 58 or something like that he played the most simplest groove and he just grooved like a motherfucker been into the uh do you like the um the really aggressive heavier throatier vocal styles and you've always been more into the singers huh yeah i'm not too crazy about what's happening with the metal uh the more deathier kind of vocals that are happening over a lot of technical bands i just i just don't get it but when when you have a band like cannibal corpse or something like that the the music is so brutal and, and in your face that the, the growly dog barking or cookie monster that works for that okay but, yeah bands like cannibal corpse that have music that is just so freaking brutal and you know tuned so low and and just totally in your face just disgusting and then you have vocals the growly cookie monster stuff that goes on top of that that works to me that sounds right okay a lot a lot of the death metal bands that works with that but then you have a lot of these uh technical bands that guitar players do a lot of harmonies and if you were to take the vocals out of it you would say there's a proggy band they're very Mm -hmm. theoretically sound uh a lot of cool chord progressions a lot of arpeggios that work within the context of of the songs and then you have this fucking dog barking over it (laughs) and i and i just don't fucking get it I don't understand it, and the only thing I can I can reason is that everybody else is doing that, so everybody th- thinks that they have to copy it because that's that's what you're supposed to do. Hmm. But I, I just I don't it doesn't make any sense to me. I I wish bands would, for instance, Chuck Billy from Testament. Mm-hmm. The dude's got a fucking voice. I mean, holy shit. Yeah, he's he's hitting pitches, but he sounds like a fucking you know he's a fucking monster sound. Yeah, and, but but he's hitting pitches. He's got some melodies. He's he's singing. I mean, right. I, I I could even throw Tom Araya into that. You know, he's okay. he's, hitting, 
he's hitting pitches and and how much heavier are you going to get than slayer i mean shit slayer doesn't do anything with heart well they kind of do harmonies but uh right but it's not the most prettiest thing but uh yeah when the when the cookie monster vocals come over really nice sounding theoretically correct music i i just i don't get it i just not don't get it no i don't it doesn't make any sense to me at all uh i use intronaut as a good example of of like super technical um just just the music is well thought out uh-huh. I mean, I, I, I love that stuff. And the vocals are almost kind of like half and half. Like they literally go from like the, sc- not screaming. It's not that low, like that pig destroyer stuff, but it's more like, it's more like, um, um, like the yelling, the, the, the yelling mm-hmm. and the screaming thing. And they also, not only do they sing two part harmonies and stuff. And I'm not talking like the, the new, the, the new trendy metal of like, where it sounds like, you know, like the sing, scream, sing, scream. I'm talking like these dudes can sing and then the right. vocalist screams too. I, I, I think that's like, they're just about the perfect blend. I, I think Intronauts damn near what I want to hear all the time, <laughs> you know? But I mean, have you ever heard of a band called Spiral Architect? Yeah, they were kind of in the Watchtower vein. I haven't heard sure. them in quite a while, but yeah, I think they had normal singing. Yeah, the guy had an amazing voice and and... And uh, it was fun to listen to because the music was bonkers and it was all over the place. But his yeah. his vocals were like carefully written to fit it rather than just almost taking like the quote unquote easy way out of just Ooh, over top of it. That's yeah. just one note that doesn't have a note value. You can just yell, you know. Well, there's some bands like, for instance, Protest the Hero. You know, those guys are freaking amazing players and writers and everything. And their singer has more of a higher, you know, he, he's more in the, the like the old old style where, where you sing high and you know getty lee that kind of stuff like that uh-huh. i don't think you need that to qualify as quote singing you can you can have ronnie james dio you know i mean dio ha- had more of his higher range kind of stuff but he got pretty brutal i mean you can even go gene simmons hmm. you know what i'm saying i mean that's singing but it, it's when 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 you're playing melodic stuff I, I hate to say it, another band that I just don't get it is Arch Enemy. Okay. I, I just don't fucking get it. You know, <laughs> that, that, that that new chick that they got, um, I don't know if Angela could, quote, sing or whatever, but she, she sings, well, you know what, maybe that's a bad example because she would have to, of course, sing higher and everything, but you you have a chick, you have somebody in the band can that can sing, and then she's fucking doing this cookie monster shit. You know? Yeah, and Arch, it's kind of funny because Arch Enemy a lot of a lot of times on their choruses they'll have a lot of really cool harmonies and great guitar players in that band. Yeah, oh, Jeff Loomis is what am I talking about? Jeff Loomis is in that band now, and then yeah, but and then the vocals come in. I just, I'm like, come on, man. Not you know? Huh? Yeah, well, I, I guess in some of it, some aspects of it, it, it kind of works. Maybe that was a bad example because if she did sing. She, it would have to be real high and clean and stuff like that. Sure. But, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Right. But I, I think if that band, if they had a, a, a guy singer that, you know, sang low, more, more like the Chuck Billy type of a thing, to me, it would be a hell of a lot more appealing to me. But I, I, I having said that, I, I love Arch and their music. Yeah. I, I do, fucking I love that, that the music that the, it's just so fun. And, the, and again, that chick sings great, but yeah. she just doesn't do it with that band. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Um, to each his own. I hear you. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. So, um, that's, uh, that's about it. It's about all I got for you. So I want to, uh, I want to put a link on here to your website. I'm going to put a link in here to, for, to get people the prosthetic so they can check out the new watchtower EP that's out. And, cool. uh, uh, I guess I'm under the impression we shouldn't sit around and hold our breath and wait for the second one. <laughs> but dude, I, I have no idea. It's uh, out there. Put it, put it out. Put it this way, dude. I've had my guitar tracks done for all eleven songs. I've had them done since 2010, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating, dude. They're all done, mixed, EQ'd, and everything. And I'm just waiting for tracks. Okay, so so like, if the other members of Watchtower right now, you hang up with me, and you're like, oh shit, all the tracks showed up. Are you re-recording your parts, or are you literally using the ones you recorded six years ago? Yeah, I mean they're there. They're they're in sync with the click track. Really, the Rick only has one more song to do. You know, the dr- drum wise, 
Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of drum production that needs to be done. Um, a lot of vocal stuff have to be worked out though. Doug has to record tons of shit. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been done for, for six years. Wow. Yeah. It won't take 15. It won't take 15 more years. We're good. I have no cool, idea, man. dude. Yeah. I appreciate the time. I really do. And, um, it was a lot of fun talking to you. It's fun talking to somebody that I've been listening to for 20 years, off and on, that is. And uh, cool, man. Good luck to you. I'll put all the links in here to send people around all your corresponding links and everything and uh, check out the new Watchtower stuff. Got anything else? Um, good luck editing. I hope the uh, first portion wasn't too uh, distorted and <laughs> unusable. I hope it's usable. I want to thank Kelly Walsh from Prosthetic for hooking this up. Um, She's a bomb. I really appreciate how easy she made this for everything. And uh, uh, I'll be in touch, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming Sounds on. Good. Sounds great, man. Had a great time. And you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. Can you say that? All in one take. Intro. All in, what, one, one take. You're the one take wonder. No, it ain't going to happen in one take. What is it? My chapter? In the universe that's microscopic, electrical forces overtake. Time is short to keep faster. Few laws of gravity to break. As a pest securely fastens to the surface as it crawls. Hanging upside down with pigs to the sheets to the wall. Try to have a good time, but sit completely still. Try not to breathe too hard and don't talk loud. Okay, but enjoy yourself. Where the hell were we? Uh, Spastic ink, squeaky, squirrels having sex. Now we covered the squirrels. Love you. Take care. Bye-bye.